Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. You're in for a treat today. We have our dear friends with us all the way from Hollywood, California. Ron and Judy Radicky. Now, now some of you may have seen them on TBN. Some of you may have heard of them through Covenant. Some of your kids actually went to Hollywood to their outreach and evangelism. Uh, they, they, they do so much when it comes to evangelism. And they have, I'm going to let them tell you all about it. But they are special to us. And um, our oldest member of this church, Edgar Thornton, who you've seen up there for the prayer needs and uh, you've seen him walk in. He is the kindest, sweetest man, gentleman we have ever met. He comes in with the walker when he was able to come, and, and he was uh, just, a, just a treat. That is their father, and we're privileged to have him part of our church, and it's, honor, it's an honor to have them here with us. But I want you to welcome them, and I want you just to receive them. Ron is going to speak to us today. Julie, Judy will speak just a moment. But they have something really good and rich for us today. And don't you know that there are times and seasons that God brings into this church where we can receive an impartation and take with us for the time that we're in. I believe we're in a season where God wants us to grow and reach out to others and win some souls for the kingdom. You know that God has saved you so you can see someone else get saved, right? Well, you're going to get instructed today, and you're going to receive a great word. So if you will, will you stand to your feet in honor of these people? They're great people. They're great soldiers. God bless you. Good morning. You can be seated. Just an update about um, my dad, Edgar Thornton. Today's his 94th birthday. Yeah. God's been very faithful. He... he um, had, they opened his heart, but some of the arteries have collapsed, so we're just believing. He says, I'm ready. Either way, go home to be with the Lord or stay here. So if he's going to stay here, we're saying, Lord, let that heart beat good and strong, and, and he'll be healthy all the days of his life. That's what all of us want, right? Walk in divine health. Ronald be sharing some of the miracles <clears throat> that he's done in our lives. And that's what it's all about, coming to church. It's not just doing a church thing, just playing some games. You know, it's to help us live, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our health, whether it's in our family. As a matter of fact, I was sharing with a lady earlier, this last month, Ron and I got to pay our house off. Now, listen, we have not, I mean, we kept our salaries, our board is, we've deliberately kept them low for so many years but God has been so faithful and to own a home in California when I when my late husband and I moved there we thought we'll never own a home that was our great faith at that time you know we're moving to California it's the mission field we probably will never own so after 35 years and some creative financing and some double payments and some less Starbucks and you know, all those things that you have to do, we paid it off. And we are so, so grateful. 
God is faithful and consistency, just being consistent, he honors that. So he wants to provide, and I don't even know why I'm sharing all this, but I want to encourage you in your finances as you gave today, as you give each week, God will honor that. We're calling that back. We're believing for a building too. Uh, we've, we've moved and we got a complaint just this past weekend. We have a bunch of teenagers and teenagers can be loud. It's no offense any of you teenagers. But they, so somebody was complaining because we're in the Dream Center temporarily. And uh, so we're believing for a building too. We're sowing seeds and believing and trusting. Whatever it is, whether it's uh, finances, healing, miracles, God is able to do. He wants us to live life abundantly. You know, it's not just a thing he throws out there, but he really, really wants us to live life abundantly. So that, uh, did you get the newsletter when you walked in? Okay. We ask you just to stick that in a Bible or in, I don't know where, refrigerator. Raise your hand. The ushers tell me, raise your hand if you need one, if anybody needs it. Here's a couple up here in the front, two or three in the front. Um to pray for us. We don't have an adult congregation. We have children and teenagers. And so we really, really treasure your prayers. As a matter of fact, this young man that's on the front of the newsletter, he got saved when he was eight years old in our kids club program. Eight years old. Don't tell me that kids don't know what, what's happening when the Spirit of God comes in. Very dysfunctional family. Uh, both parents were alcoholics. Mom died of alcoholism. And yet now he's our youth pastor. Well, just in February, he married our children's director. So we see them someday. They'll be taking over in the ministry. And that's what it's all about, us leaving our legacy, the next generation. Because, man, I want to go to my home. I want to get out of here one of these days. But I want to leave a legacy of of what God has done in Hollywood. So we appreciate your prayers. Thank you for it. We've brought a few things with us. These CDs that we brought are our donation basis, whatever you want to give. How many of you would like to defeat the terrorist of your soul, the enemy that's trying to destroy you right here on the front row? There you go. Should I do it? <laughs> we all need that. Uh, Ron teaches an ABC's evangelism. This morning's teaching will be just a, a real easy way of how you can do it. This is a little bit more in depth of how to how to do those things, how to share your faith. Anybody need to learn how? Okay, this, you're raising your hand for everything. I see. <laughs> That's it. Yes. Um, and then I have. Uh, I see another one passion how to keep your passion alive Woo! she's already got her hand up there <laughs> can you give that to that lady we have to keep our passion alive i've been walking with the lord for a lot of years <laughs> um i always tell people now i'm 39.95 plus shipping and handling lots of shipping and handling so i you know but keeping your passion alive not only in our marriages our family but in our walk with Jesus. And we have to kind of find out how to do that. And that's, that's what that CD is about. And then the last one, I think everybody will identify with this one. I know I do sometimes. <laughs> Jesus had weird relatives. Anybody got any weird relatives? <laughs> you, she raised her hand very quickly. <laughs> Can you give that to her? Yeah. And that's how we all have some. 
and then Ron just started teaching out of the book of Matthew and just about all our Jesus's relatives and he had some weird ones but God used it that um, so another quick thing I want to share with you well minor story you'll see him on the video in just a few minutes unfortunately our video we're in the process of doing a new one so you can see I had shorter hair um, minor was just the assistant to the assistant <laughs> he did a little bit of everything he actually finished high school living in our building and so he became, he told Ron, he says, I want you to teach me everything you know about fixing things. Ron's one of those MacGyvers, one of those fix-it guys. And thank the Lord, he saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars at the Oasis. So he did that. He taught him. And, and again, faithfulness. Minor was faithful, faithful, faithful. And God has just promoted him. And as we're faithful in the serving in the kingdom of God, you're faithful in the church here. God will honor that, and he will provide and bless. So then uh, an app, as a matter of fact, Minor, Minor does all of our graphics. I love all the signs and the things that Haley and Caleb do around here, and I'm not sure <laughs> who else, but anyway, the signs. And so Minor does all that for us. He does the graphics. And your church, your pastor, and the, the kids blessed us with an app, and that's one of the things we're doing want to encourage you if you want to just keep a reminder about how to pray we just put notifications on there how to pray for us um, minor's doing a thing and minor and ron will be teaching boys most of our kids are fatherless homes and one of the things minor really wanted to do is teach the boys how to do practical things change a tire you know, tie a tie, although I don't know if anybody wears ties anymore, but, you know, some of those things, and then teaching them how to treat women, how to how to um, be a man of God, so it's things like that. So, anyway, those will be on the apps, and we would love to. The, one last thing, I forgot all about this one. <clears throat> Ron will be sharing about your story matters. How to identify yourself as a Christian without going around I'm a Christian and I'm holy and all that kind of stuff you don't want to be doing that all right but this is a simple little thing little tool just stick in your pocket just around your uh, neck to identify yourself as a Christian I love Jesus you don't have to say anything but you know what when people start to go through problems guess who they're going to go to they're they're going to go to somebody that knows how to pray anybody these are real simple I'll let you get it little tools they're only two dollars they're back there and uh, I'm sure we're going to run out I have a book of stories people's lives who've been changed my own life when I was a single mom and how God made a way and provided and kept us in Hollywood uh, 39 years this year so we're so thankful for churches like yours that'll pray for us that'll just help us to keep being there in Hollywood. We treasure your prayers. I can't tell you how much. But our heart is to see you grow, too, and to see you take over Victoria and touch this city. God's put you here for a divine purposes in his plans. So take a walk with us right now on Hollywood Boulevard already.
people ask me the question, who are some of the heroes today of street ministry? Immediately, I think of Ron and Judy Radke. All these years on the streets of Hollywood, ministering to some of the most troubled youth in all of America, making a difference every single day. Two warriors who have been fighting for the hearts and minds of people. That's what Oasis of Hollywood is all about. It's about reaching the one in the middle of a city of millions and millions of people, finding a hurt and healing it, finding a need and meeting that need. This is a city that influences the world and, and very strategic mission field. We came to uh, initially reach the runaway population and girls who were selling themselves on the streets, opened a home called the House of Magdalene, took girls off the streets, lives were changed. Charles, my late husband, passed away in 1982. Uh, I was left with two little kids, and what in the world am I gonna do was my big question. And God spoke to me to keep going on with the ministry. I was a single mom, and for four years, God really blessed the ministry, it grew. The Lord actually gave me a dream to reach children. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do, but we began by reaching small children. And then those kids started to grow up with us. And then we had teenagers. And then we started teen outreaches. We started a teen club. And as uh, things kept growing, and in the meantime, four years, I was single. God brought along Ron, my husband now, and, and just, he says plan B, I call him plan A plus. Both of us have done many mission trips, many outreaches, and we saw the need to teach other people how to learn to share their faith. And that's why we started the Urban School of Evangelism right here in Hollywood. The Oasis helped me to be who I am today, a strong man and just willing to be a person who cares for his family, friends, and just any of the students who come um, during Club Zion or just uh, in SPIN. We end up going into foster care for about two years and a half. And in that time, um, the second year, I lost my mom. And so I started angered towards God, um, just kind of feeling pain because I felt nothing was happening. But Ron and Judy and just the staff at that time kept encouraging me to just keep praying and believing. It started changing and I just started seeing that God was just showing himself more towards me. And I just knew that 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 time that there is a God who does care and loves me. All right, what we do here at the Oasis, our ministry for 35 years has been an outreach-oriented ministry uh, with three children's programs, two in public schools. Um, our teen club, one of the most uh, creative things that we've done, and we've been doing it for years, is our teen club, uh, which is, as the Lord would say, that we're fisher of men. It takes different bait for different fish. You can't catch a teenager with Sunday service. So what we do is this Friday night teen club, offering video games, foosball, air hockey in the parking lot. They're shooting hoops, skateboarding. Um, so we sandwich in the middle of fun and fun. We have recharge in the middle of the evening where we bring them in. And for the first time, maybe introducing Jesus to somebody who's never even had a concept of that before other than a, a swear word. The other thing we do is my, uh, Judy and I travel and speak in churches all across the country. We don't go to raise money to keep the Oasis going. What we do is take this message that you too can reach your own community. We take it into the local church. All of our messages revolve around that in some fashion. That the body of Christ needs to rise up and reach the lost. They're desperate for what we have and, uh, and we need to reach them. And they need to be touched outside the four walls of the church. It can't happen any other way. Woo!
Good morning. What a concept. A congregation that responds. What will they think of next? All right. Good morning, and it's a pleasure to be here. I mean that seriously. I love coming here. Uh, before we get started, I have a little humor for you. It's a good way to start the day. Did you hear about the two Chinamen that broke into a distillery? Yeah. And one said to the other, is this whiskey? And the other one said, not as whiskey as Wabi in the bank. <laughs> All right, that's a cute story, but we have a better story to sh share today. And that story is your story. That's what this message is today. It's your story matters. You have stories. You have incredible stories of what God's done in your life and how he's touched you and made things happen in your life. Um, and that your story really does matter. And to make you understand how important your story is, I need to tell you a story about a contractor back in 1980. And this contractor had started a business and actually was doing quite well. And so he had visions of taking some of his profit, at least, and, and making it work for him. And he wanted to put it in investments, but he didn't know how to invest. So he went and bought a book on it and started reading on this book on how to invest money. And, um, and people will always do like people do everywhere. And when you go to work, whatever's on your mind, whatever's foremost in your thinking, you talk about. Well, he was finishing up a room addition for a doctor and his wife, and he called in this wallpaper hanger to do his, his trade in there. And it started as they're both working, he's doing finish work, and he was hanging wallpaper. So he starts sharing what he's been reading in this book. And you know, you take 10% of your income and you never ever spend it, but you only invest it. And whatever interest that generates, you reinvest that and you make it multiply. And I guess he talked a little too long. And finally, the wallpaper hanger turns around and he says, look, man, I'm a Christian. I give 10% to God. Currently, my bills exceed my income, yet all my bills are paid and I can't explain it. All right. The reason I know what took place in that conversation, I was the contractor. Now, I'll tell you what, folks. I can't tell you what I had for lunch two days ago. But I remember what this guy said to me back in 1980, 38 years ago. I remember what he said to me. Listen, I not only remember what he said to me, I remember what I thought in response. He's a husband and a father. I'm going, dude, what has that got to do with it? All right, whatever. And this is how the thought came. He's a husband and a father and a businessman. He knows what his bills are. He knows what his income is. What are you going to do? Call him a liar? That guy's name was Chuck Argon. What he said to me took 11 seconds. I timed it. 11 seconds. Us Christians, we think if you're going to say something to somebody of, of consequence, that you have to come up with a three-point message and an altar call at the end. Not true. Not necessary. What he said took 11 seconds, and it was about miracle provision for his life. But what he didn't know and nor did I know at the time that I was on my way to a crisis in my life. So he shows up in my life at some point, and he shares this, this story with me, okay? And, uh, and when I mo moved on, I don't know re even remember how many months later it was, I hit this crisis in my life, and all I needed, knew is I needed a miracle, <coughs> and I knew that God was a miracle-working God because of his story. It wasn't a salvation story, but I'm telling you, that story changed my life. Proverbs 8, 1 and 2 says this, that wisdom and understanding are where the paths meet 
or in the fork of the road. Fork in the road. That's where wisdom's standing there saying, dude, you go down this way, this is what's down this path. If you go down this way, this is what's this path. You choose which way do you want to go. I chose God, okay? When I found out that I could actually have my own walking, talking relationship with God of the universe, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? And I thought, if this is possible, I want to know everything I can, and I pressed in. I pressed in, and I've been in ministry for well over 30 years now, all right? And, and I've been saved 37 years, well, 37 years. So, yeah, incredible. Proverbs 4.11, I've taught you in the ways of wisdom. I have led you on right paths. He led me because of somebody's story, that when I hit this crisis, that was still in the back of my mind, God is a God of miracles. I needed a miracle, okay? You have stories. You have stories that can change people's lives, um, and, but you don't always believe that. You think, well, who am I? What is my story to anybody, okay? You don't think it contains power. I'm telling you it does. If you were to take the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you were to take the direct teachings of Jesus out of those four books, what are you left with? Stories. Stories of God's Word in action in somebody's life. Your story is God's action in your life. And I'm telling you, folks, it contains the same horsepower that changed people's lives in Jesus' day will change people's lives today because of your stories. And you don't believe it, okay? Those four stories, well, there's so many ways to do this. I want to show you a verse real quick. 2 Corinthians. See, they got that up there. 2 Corinthians. I'll read it to you out of here. All right. 2 Corinthians. Okay. 2 uh, Corinthians. Actually, it's 3 and 4, but I'm going to three sets up four. So, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort for which we ourselves are comforted by God? In other words, you tell the stories of what God's done in your life, it's going to help somebody else in their situation. Now, Chuck Argon's story is now part of my story. How do I tell my story without sharing his story? His story is part of my story. Whose story should your story be part of? Okay? So that little section that he did, 11 seconds. Now, I need to kind of throw in here one more tidbit about that. Chuck Argon. We, trust me, when I got saved, the only thing we had in common was Jesus. This dude is married, he's got five kids and owns a house and owns his own business. And well, I did too at that point, but, but I was a single man who owned nothing except my business. So we had nothing really in common, but he was, they were my first Christian friends and he gave, helped me even to the church I started going to. So there's a repercussions to that. And then that as Lord raised up people, friends, new friends for me, uh, I kind of drifted away from them. We're still in loose contact. He lives someplace, I think, up in Idaho, and I talk to him every 10 years whether I need it or not, okay, or whether he needs it or not. But the point of it is is that these stories are powerful stories that will change um, people's lives. Now, be straight with me here. How many of you know that you know that you know that God has answered more, more than one prayer for you? Raise your hands. All right, folks, leave your hands up for a second. Look around the room. If you don't have your hand up, you're either too lazy to raise your hand or you've never asked anything of God. 
You can put your hands down. That says to me, you have all the ammunition you need, all the stories you need to touch somebody's life. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that you raise your hand, the one story you did not include in that number was your own salvation. You prayed a prayer someplace and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and invite him into your heart, and he showed up. That was the first prayer. How many other prayers have you prayed about how many other issues in life, including the parking spot close to the store on a rainy day? Okay. How many of you have prayed that one? Me too. All right. To explain this thing more fully, I got to give you an example of how this thing, uh, how it works. Well, now Judy and I, we refer to this whole routine, we call it the 211 technique. It's just a simple way to remember it. So I guess what I'm going to, about to give you is the 411 on the 211 in case somebody has a 911. <laughs> okay? So, this is, so to do that, um, I'm going to tell you a story about a neighbor and I. And um, I am not answering a phone call. Hello? No, I can't talk. I'm preaching right now, okay? No, we're not doing that. But I need this for a reason, all right? So I had a neighbor across the street. He's no longer a neighbor. They've moved away. And we had a casual relationship um, because, they, one, he was a neighbor and lived there with his brothers and stuff. And um, two is that I officiated at his daughter's wedding, so we had some sort of a relationship. But our lifestyles were 180 out. Well, I'm just going to change his name. We'll call him John. Changed his name to protect the guilty. And, uh, but... Uh, we would meet every few months in the middle of the street, and which wasn't a, a threat because we live on a cul-de-sac. So we'd meet in the middle of the street, kind of catch up on each other's lives and families' lives and so forth, and how's the kids, how's this, how's that. And we would just chit-chat out in the street occasionally. Well, this one night, I come home from work, and he comes out of the garage, and he, he yells for me, Ron! And, uh, well, hi. So I thought, okay, well, this will be one of our meetings in the street. No, no. He kind of starts jogging across the street. So I barely made it to the curb, okay? And he didn't even say hello to me. He immediately went into this whole rendition about, I went to the doctor today, and here's what he said. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He got a, um, the prognosis was actually quite bad. Could be fatal, all right? So he's sharing all this stuff with me, and I'm thinking, ooh, how can I help him? All right, so I waited until he was done, and I said, John, listen. I know this is going to sound out of context, but you need to trust me on this. I got a short story I need to tell you, and it's very pertinent to what you're going through, and you'll see why at the end, okay? And I said, so listen to me. Um, there was a few, a while back, a few years ago, I had what I thought was tendonitis in my left shoulder. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor did an MRI, and it turned out to be a torn rotator cup. Well, the doctor didn't even hesitate but he scheduled me for surgery for a month later because that's how doctors fix it. But he also told me that my rehabilitation was eight to 10 months and there was no guarantee that I would have use of the shoulder as before the injury. But then I also had a locked shoulder where my arm wouldn't go, same arm wouldn't go past nine o'clock. Well, this didn't hurt, but this was excruciatingly painful. And the physical therapist told me whether or not I had the surgery that if I didn't get this shoulder loose, they would have to do it. I looked at her and I said, what does that mean? She says, well, basically we knock you out and we get it loose. 
I don't want to do that, okay? I decide I need to go have a discussion with God. And so I decided I wanted God to do it. So we were having a board meeting the following week, and I want a couple of our board members to get to pray over me. And one of them was a pastor who had a reputation of God using him for healings. So I asked him to pray for me. Only three of our board members gathered around me, and his name was Gary Greenwald, and he prayed over my, my shoulder for about a minute. And then he said, um, he backs up, and he goes, so what couldn't you do before? And I thought, well, here's my test. And um, I took my arm, and it went straight up to 12 o'clock. I said I knew instantly that God had just healed me, okay? And I said, but look, John, I said, you may not believe this, but God loves you as much as he loves me. And if he did this for me, he could do it for you. Would you let me pray for you? And he said, yes. This time I shared it with you, a minute and 46 seconds. First service was a minute 44. Look, there's a lot more to this story I just didn't share, all right? What I did share were the high points of this thing. This was, now, how many could see me talking with this guy? How many could see the people around me? Could you see it in your mind? Did you get a vision of, you could see it all happening, standing out in the street, talking with my neighbor, praying for him, and so forth? Stories. Listen, I bet you can't tell me what pastor's sermon last week was based on what verse. Anybody can tell me what verse? No, you can't remember chapter and verse, but I'll guarantee you if he told you a story, I bet you remember the story. Why? Because the story paints a picture in our minds. This is one of the reasons that our stories are powerful. Why people can't forget our stories because it's like watching a movie. Okay? You see the movie in your head. Our stories are those movies. Those stories and those movies in that people's minds is what they can't forget that when they hit that moment of need, they're going to draw from that. You do too. You've heard people's stories. Well, John prayed for, he prayed with me, and I believe he got healed. Because he got healed, he went back to drugs and alcohol. What a fool. Okay? He's moved away now, but my point is that little ask at the end, that's the part you can't forget. You have to embed this one in your mind. You may not believe it, but Jesus loves you as much as he loves me. If he did this for me, he could do it for you. Will you let me pray for you? That little statement takes nine seconds. Nine seconds. This isn't a three-hour message, folks. You take your stories. You need to whittle them down. So this is why we call it 211. Two-minute story, one minute of prayer, one person at a time. Let me break this thing down. When we say a two-minute prayer, why two minutes? It doesn't have to be two minutes. That's just a figure to, for you to fix it in your head. You need to keep it really short. Short is because we, on television, you watch television, I mean, we all do, right? Every, the images come quickly. The commercials are short, boom. They got 10 seconds, they're expensive, so they're gonna get all they can get in in 10 seconds or 15 seconds, stuff like that. Then even in the scenes of the, whatever show you're watching, the, show, the, screens, the scenes change frequently to hold your attention, all right? So we're indoctrinated that way. So if you try to tell them a story that's gonna take 20 minutes, I promise you, you're gonna lose them. So you got to keep it really short and just give them the highlights of what your situation was, how you prayed, and here was the end result, okay? And then you make the request, look, I know you don't believe it, but Jesus loves you as much as he loves me. If he did this for me, he could do it for you. Will you let me pray for you? And that's how you wrap each one of them up. So, um, so let me give you a hypothetical situation. And here's the thing, folks, you're not going out walking the streets looking for somebody to share one of your stories with. These people 
are already around you, where you live, work, and play, okay? Hypothetical here, you go to work, all right? It's lunchtime, everybody comes into the lunchroom and they all sit, and did you ever notice that people share their stories at lunch? Yeah, they tell you what's going on, and my wife this, and my husband that, and the kids, oh, my health, oh, the finances, oh, something. Why is it they're doing that? Are they just looking for sympathy or empathy? Or could it be they're looking for somebody that has a cure to their problem? Seriously. They want somebody to say, why don't you do this, you know? What do they got to lose? So they open up and they're sharing their story. So hypothetical, so you got this guy and he's saying, dude, if I don't have 250 bucks by next Friday, they're gonna repo my car. All right, you hear this. So here's what you do. This is the second one. You pull them aside. Look, I heard what you said. I got a short story I need to share to you, share with you because it's real pertinent to what you're going through. All right? So then you share your little story. You add that nine-second tag at the end, and you say, will you let me pray? Why do you pull them aside? Because that once is one person at a time. They're going to be real, if they're not a Christian, they're going to be really squirrely about praying in front of other coworkers and stuff. So you need to be private about it, all right? I'll tell you what, there are saints who are just as intimidated praying in front of other people. Pull them aside. Do it alone, all right? That's the second one. So here's their need. Man, I need 250. Hey, will you let me pray for you? Now you take your prayer, and you've got to be very specific in prayer, okay? Um, why? So because if it, when it happens, not if it happens, but when it happens, you have to go into this thing thinking positively, yes, it's going to happen. All right? So when it happens, they'll know it wasn't coincidental. It must have been God. So how, how much money did you need? Yeah, I need uh, $250. Okay, well, we're going to believe God for $275. Why $275? only need $250. Yeah, I'm including the tithe. <laughs> you don't think God can afford the other $25? Bucks? Listen, folks, the reason I'm going to say $275 because when it happens and God provides the 275, dude, he's gonna know this was not coincidental. And he gets his 275, who do you think he's gonna come to first? He's gonna come to you. You know that prayer you prayed? It happened. Here's your response. Told you Jesus was real. Maybe you ought to come to church with me and see what else he can do. It's that simple. Folks, this isn't rocket science. It's just sharing your story. Listen, you don't even have to have chapter and verse with this. It's your story. You already know it. You don't even have to memorize it. All you have to do is whittle it down so it's not three hours long, okay? That's it. And, and here's the invitation. The invitation. See, I told you it was real. Maybe you ought to come to church with me. That really does work. Judy Stayed with a girlfriend when she was 13 years old. Stayed overnight at her house. Mom came in and said, get up, girls. It's time to go to church. Church? <laughs> Took her to church. She heard the story about Jesus. The pastor made an invitation. She cried. She gave her life to the Lord. Never once has gone back since she was 13 years old, which was, what, 20 years ago? <laughs> 20 years ago, okay? She's never... Walk back on that once she heard that Jesus loved her and wanted in her life. Folks, you don't, have to, you don't have to do the salvation message. All you have to do is tell them your story, pray with them, and give them a chance, okay? 
one person at a time, all right? And who are these people? They're not just co-workers. They're, they're where you live, work, and play, at your kid's soccer game, at your PTA meeting, at your Bible study. Bible study? Oh, yeah, Bible study. You know how, how many of you have gone through stuff as a Christian that was so overwhelming to you, you actually lost sight of God and that he could meet your need, that you're just so overwhelmed by your circumstances. Let me tell you, folks, the prayers of a saint can change your life, can push you, give you that boost of faith that you need to press through to see God come through in your life instead of giving up on him. I'm telling you, the saints need these stories as much as anybody else needs it. As much as the lost, the saints need it. Man, there's people sitting right next to you who are going through stuff. Pastor even brought it up. What are you going through? Do you need prayer? Then somebody next to you needs to say, dude, I have been where you're at, and here's what happened. And that's that boost. And then when you say, would you like me to pray for you? What are they going to say? No. <laughs> Absolutely, you know they're going to say, yes, let's pray. Because two, where two or more agree is touching anything, it will be done for you. Bam. Consider it done. Now listen, here's the other part about it. Praise God for what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. But you know what? He still does it today. And how much more impactful that, uh, that his move of, a move of God happened yesterday, last week, last month, or last year. Current stories that we can draw on to say, yes, he still does it today. You can go back in Scripture, but that for other people or un unsaved people, it's... Yeah, well, maybe it did happen, maybe it wasn't. I wasn't there. But when you're telling them something to happen to you, just like I did with Chuck Argon, I said, what am I going to do, call him a liar? So if you need a story, so I have a healing story. If I, if I didn't have a healing story, I could use my wife. She's had cancer twice. The second time was in her lymph nodes. Lymph nodes, they, they say, is the highway to the body. It gets in your lymph nodes. It can consume you in a short period of time. Within an hour of the, the doctor's office calling and saying that she had cancer, the Lord spoke to me and gave me direction of what we needed to do. Have elders lay hands on her. So I called uh, two of the elders on our board were pastors. I called both of them. They set it up, one for Saturday, one for Sunday. The doctor's office called Friday. Um, got, she got prayed for. I had the doctors checked. The lump was still there. I said, go ahead, take it. I was confident. I knew that she's going to be healed. Uh, they took the affected lymph nodes, no chemo, no radiation. They wanted to do air interferon. She said no. She's been healed over 25 years. There's a story. You don't have a story like that? Use hers. We have a very close friend of ours. They're kind of our instant movie buddies or go out to dinner buddies, you know. And he had tumors, what they called inoperable tumors in his lungs, in his lung, one of his lungs, and he was suffocating. Okay, one doctor gave him three weeks to live, called the family. We all looked at each other and said, I don't think so. So his wife had him move to a different hospital, got a different doctor, and he did, I'm going to make a long story very short, he did everything that they prescribed for him, okay? After 14 months, and I'm telling you a whole bunch of prayer, he, this dude's got fingerprints all over him from my wife and I, and, and there are other friends who all laid hands on him and prayed over him again and again and again and again. Listen to this. 14 months later, two secular doctors at MD Anderson in Houston declared him a miracle. One of them came in his room and said, you, sir, I've never seen anybody make such a reversal with this kind of cancer like you have made. You, sir, are a miracle. 
You don't have a story like that, now you have two. You see what I'm saying? You hear the stories of your friends you're here in this church, use them if you don't have one of your own. It doesn't have to be exact. Chuck's story to me was a miracle provision of finances, and mine was my, ended up being my salvation. Okay? So God can do use that. It's just an example of he is a miracle work in God. What will you do with it? All right? Praise God. This is in yummy stuff. This is God working. Now you say, oh, yeah, well, um, why would God answer my prayer? Boy, I know what I'm like behind closed doors. And I don't know that God will even answer my prayers. I know you, I understand that feeling, but let me tell you something. Here in Matthew 8, and you don't even have to look it up. Matthew 8 is the story of Jesus and the centurion. You've all heard the story. But let me put a little flesh and blood on this story so it will make better sense to you. The centurion, what is a centurion? He was a Roman soldier. He was the conquering army that came in and conquered Israel. Okay, And now they've been in, in, uh, in slavery, so to speak, for a very long time. These are the dudes who are crucifying people for every, anything they would do wrong. Crucify them. Crucify them. They crucified gobs of people. All right, When all the babies were killed in Bethlehem, who was that? That was the Romans. And they're saying that he is a centurion means he's a, over 100 people. He was an officer. Okay, He wasn't a Jew. And now he says he, he's... The story says he's got a servant at home that's dying, okay? And he's grown very fond of this person. Trust me, he didn't bring a servant from Italy with them when they conquered Israel. So they took somebody and enslaved them and said, okay, you're my servant, you're going to work for me. Well, he became very fond of this person, and now they're on their deathbed, and he doesn't want them to die. But he heard of this story about this Jewish dude who's going around healing people. So he goes looking for him, and he wants him to Jesus to heal this servant. Now, here's what you didn't see in that story. Where does Jesus go? Okay, time out. Let's talk about the servant. Does the servant believe I'm the son of God? Does the servant believe I can heal them? No, no, no. He didn't ask anything about the servant. All he asked is the Roman. He said, sir, according to your faith, it's done for you. He's a heathen. He's an unsaved dude, but he believed that Jesus could do it, and Jesus healed that man. If Jesus answered the prayer of a heathen centurion Roman soldier, why in the world would he not answer your prayer? And you're not even asking for yourself. You're asking on behalf of somebody else that God wants to get in their life to begin with. He will answer your prayer for that person. An unselfish, an unselfish prayer. It's only for somebody else, not for self-consumption, not for you. Romans 2.4 says this, the goodness of God will lead us to re repentance. If the, if, the, if the goodness of God will lead us to repentance, will it do it with the unsaved as well? You better believe it. They have a miracle happen in their life. What do you think they are, dumb? Well, maybe, like my neighbor. It's possible, okay? It's possible. And here's the other part. Why did my neighbor come to me? Why, when he saw me, did he come running across the street to talk to me? Because he knew I had something he needed. I had a connection with God he didn't have. And it was life and death for him. He needed it. So even the people in your, at your job or whatever. And I said, look, at your job. I use that as an example. The people that you're going to encounter are everywhere. It's, it's going to be at the Bible study. It's going to be at the kids' soccer game. It's going to be wherever that need is. 
And let me tell you, I want to tell you a, a, a last story here. I want to tell oh yeah, I like this one too. If Toyota wants to sell cars, the CEO doesn't do, he doesn't give the pitch. Satisfied customers are. They do a better job. Who are the satisfied customers here? All of us. We've seen God at work in our lives, and that's all we need to do is share that with people. So I want to share this last story with you. I said there's saints who need our help as well, and that's true. They, remember the Las Vegas massacre where all those people were shot at that concert? Well, this was the morning after, and Judy and I, it's our Monday. Monday is a preacher's day off, and we had a bunch of things to do, and I think we were going out to the grandkids uh, th that day too, besides our other errands. And I, I don't change the oil on our car according to the manufacturer's specs. I got my own schedule, and I keep it in a little notebook in the council. So I pulled it out, and I looked at it, and went, oh my gosh, I'm overdue for an oil change. And I said, so Judy, I'll run down, get the oil change, and then we'll, we'll take off and run our errands, okay? So I go down to this oil change place that I use, and I took a little paperwork with me that I needed to finish up while I'm waiting, and I'm in the uh, waiting room. And then I come out to the, to the bay to see what's going on with my car, and I walk over, and I'm kind of looking in to see where they're at on this thing. And there's a guy standing over here about four feet from me, and he's on the phone, and he's talking with relatives, okay? And I hear him talking. He had two cousins at that concert the night before, and nobody can get him on the phone. This is the morning after. Neither phone is answering, okay? And they're talking about it. I can't help but overhear him. He's standing four feet from me. I look at him. He looks at me. He knows I'm listening to him. I look in there again, and I look at him again, and, uh, and he's wrapping up his phone call. So he knows I'm listening, so I thought, okay, now's my opportunity to say something. He hangs up the phone. I said, you know what? I can't think of a time that somebody needs Jesus more than right now. I said, you're not safe anywhere you go. You're not safe at the mall. You're not safe in a movie theater. You're not safe at school. I said, you're not safe in church. You're not even safe in your own home, okay? And, um, and I said, you better know who Jesus is in case you're the recipient of a stray bullet or an intended bullet. And I thought, that's plenty. And I turned to walk away, and he says, yeah, and I've drifted away from God. And I stopped, and I looked at him and said, what do you mean you drifted away? And he, I could tell he got real uncomfortable. He didn't want to tell me what was going on in his life. And I said, look, man, I can't think of a safer situation than this. I don't know you, and you don't know me. And we'll probably never see each other again. And he opens up, and he says, well, I was raised by my grandmother. He says, but I'm married now. I've got kids of my own. And my, I got in an arguing, argument with my grandmother, and she started to slap me. But the slaps turned to punches, and she wouldn't stop punching me. And I finally lost my temper, and I hit her back. And he says, I'm devastated, and I can't believe that God will forgive me for such, a, um, such an incident as this, and, and I can't forgive myself. And instantly, a story popped in my head, and it wasn't my own. And I said, you know, I know a guy. He used to be a hitman for the Mexican mafia. Today he's a minister of God. I said, who would be forgiven more, you or him? He said, him. And I said, if God forgave him, and you don't think God can forgive you, look, dude, don't run from him. Run to him. Ask him to forgive you. And then go to your grandmother and ask her to forgive you also. <clears throat> and I'm standing there, and I'm telling you, I just felt overwhelmed, and I just went, man, I want to pray for you so bad right now. And he said, 
Would you please? You see, the saints, so overcome by their own situations, man, the saints need to hear the good news that we have in our lives. And it wasn't even my story. And it was just a brief story that it took less than 10 seconds to say, five seconds. He was a hitman for the mafia, and now he's a minister of God who's forgiven more. How long did that take to say? You see, it isn't how much you say, folks. It's what you say. And you know the truth. And all we have to do is share the truth with these people. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up by saying this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, oh, dear Lord, do not wait another moment. If you're here and you want to pray to receive Christ, I'm not going to embarrass you and make you come up here, but wave a hand at me or I don't know. And if, I, if there's nobody here that needs it, then I'm not going to pray it. If you're here and you need Jesus in this section, wave a hand at me. No. This section, anybody here? No. This section? No. Okay, that's good. That means you're all saved. Or is it so good? Which means none of you brought anybody with you to church today. The world outside these four walls, I'm telling you, they're dying and going to hell on an express train. And the saints won't wave the red flags and say, hello, the bridge is out. Folks, we need to rise up. We need to do this. This is so simple. There's nothing easier in all of Christendom than to share your story with somebody and then make an offer to pray. All right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this service, and we're going to pray and ask God to send you divine appointments across your path. What's a divine appointment? Look, man, sir, God knows your story. He knows what's happened to you. He knows what he's done for you. He knows how you would share it with somebody. And he's going to say, ooh, 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 this guy over here needs to hear your story. He'll put the two of you together because he knows who needs to hear it the way you would explain it. He knows your story. He knows your story. He knows your story. And he knows who needs to hear your story, not my story. And he'll connect you with those people, all right? So if we pray for divine appointments, and they are people that are already around you, that he'll give you that little nudge in your spirit that you'll know who to talk to and you'll know what story to share because it'll pop into your head because God wants that to happen and he's not going to come down here and do it he'll do it through us so we're going to believe God and ask him to send divine appointments across our path this can happen at school if you're a school student you're in high school you're in junior middle school I'm telling you God can send you other students who need to hear your story we all have stories. So let's pray that. Let's believe God for that and watch him do that. And at the end of this prayer, when I say to you, stand in agreement with me, you say amen, then expect it to happen, all right? So Father... Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.